Ion 2020 episode 253. Have 2020 vision with Ion 2020, your source for the news and events in the lead up to the 2020 presidential election. I am Ray Eaton, and I will keep you up to date daily until November 2020 with a libertarian perspective on the candidates and their policies along with the news. Thank you for joining me. Now let's clear our vision. Hey, what's up everybody? Ray Eaton here. Thank you for joining me for a day in the life of the 2020 election. This is your Thursday show. If you haven't been following the show the last couple shows that I've done, I've been doing a Monday-Thursday show now, last week and then this week. Uh, The reason why I started doing that is just because I was doing it five days a week and there's not enough news coverage to do a five-day-a-week show. I did it for just about a year. I only skipped a couple days. I think I skipped a couple days on Thanksgiving, and I skipped the last two weeks of the year uh, for Christmas just because I was taking a little bit of a break with my family, and I couldn't do two weeks' worth of shows. So I just said, you know what? I'm going to take just a little break while I have some time. And then I came back in January, and I decided that I was going to do two days a week because the news coverage is better where you can do a show two days a week on the news for the election and so that was that was my plan, but um, and I I'm enjoying it. Actually, it gives me some free time to try to make the show a little bit better, give myself some new ideas and stuff, and uh, follow the news a little more thoroughly as well, which is good because when you're, I, I mean, I follow the news pretty well because I I'm in my car most of the day driving around for work, and I spend you know the uh, time in between listening to different news networks, listening to different podcasts and so forth, just so I have. A general idea of what's going on and I can get more thorough by reading articles about things as well um, but now I can be even more thorough so um, and one thing that I was noticing uh, yesterday is that there is no better way to put to bed any news coverage at all about a democratic debate no better way than to um to send articles of impeachment over to Congress the next day. And then there's no better way to overshadow that and the Democratic debate than to have a big ceremony on the signing of the Phase 1 of the China deal. So, on Wednesday, the debate's over with. I wake up in the morning, and uh, it was a snooze fest, by the way. There wasn't much action during the debate. Everyone says that like, this is what the pundits were saying, that everyone's trying to play it safe. They were trying to be as safe as possible, take the safe route. And the reason why is because, you know, the Iowa caucus is coming up pretty soon and nobody wanted to, uh, you know, make a scene. No one wanted to make a stink. No one wanted to call somebody else out. So there was very little back and forth banter among the candidates. And I only watched the last 15, 20 minutes of it or so, but I was listening to what the pundits were saying. That's what it said. There's no clear winner of the debate. Pete Buttigieg did a good job. They say he probably did the best job, but he wasn't like a clear winner. Same thing with like Elizabeth Warren. She did good. And they're saying Amy, Amy Klobuchar did pretty well. Whereas the other three, Tom Steyer didn't even need to be on the stage in the first place. Uh, they were saying Joe Biden didn't do anything bad, but didn't do anything good. He just kind of you know, was up there and, and didn't, he didn't make any huge gaffes or anything like that. And then they're saying that, um, Bernie Sanders isn't going to pick up more supporters based upon what he did as well. But anyway, it was a snooze fest. Uh, there wasn't much going on. So, but the next day there's so little that happened during that debate that there was really no 
hardly any press coverage about the debate at all. Um, because you know what was happening yesterday is you guys know this already, I'm sure, but the Congress sent or the House sent the impeachment over to the Senate. They voted on it and all that. So pretty much that's what the news was talking about the entire morning. And then also around noon yesterday, Donald Trump decided this or went ahead and signed phase one of the China deal, which was a big deal also. So he had about an hour and a half of news coverage also. And then they have the, the before and the after on his you know, the China deal, and then they also go right back in the articles of impeachment, they also, you know, especially CNN, MSNBC, Fox News and them, they literally uh, spent the entire afternoon basically focusing on the House and what was being said during the House, in in the House, about the impeachment as well, like commercial free and everything, so um, no big deal, but the biggest thing is, is I just thought it was funny that it's literally the best way to overshadow uh, the democratic election process, I guess, is to just have way bigger news stories the next day. And the funny thing about like the Republicans in 2015 or 2016 when they're having their debates is that Donald Trump always made news the next day. Like it was always in the news the next day. It was the headline because Donald Trump was just crazy and he would attack these people left and right. And that's what they would talk about, you know? Who won the debate? Donald Trump did because he went after Rand Paul or went after um, Bush or went after, you know, any of these people that were on the debate stage with him as well. So, um, whereas on this one, I mean, nobody really made any statements that are going to resonate with the voters or anything as well. So, um, no big deal. The interesting thing, though, that I thought is that the big news of the day is the fact that it was... um, the identity politics thing came into play. So you hear, this is what you hear from the, the news media now, is that it was much, just a bunch of white people on stage. It wasn't a diverse, there was, there was huge diversity of the candidates whenever, and you know, whenever they first started getting going, there was 28 candidates and there was so many people on stage that were of African American descent, that were of Hispanic descent, so forth. And now there's just no diversity. It's all a bunch of white people. So that's what you kept on, that's what I kept on hearing on the news beforehand and afterwards about the people that are running for president on the Democratic ticket. And to me, I just, there was diversity out there. It's just, in my opinion, those people did not resonate with the voter. If you resonated with the voter, then they would have kept you on stage. They would have donated your campaign. They would have um, supported your candidacy. They would have done a lot of things. Like, that's just the way that people are. But they didn't support those people's campaigns. So it's not a matter of Cory Booker being black. It's a matter that he didn't have a message that people wanted to hear. It's not a message of Kamala Harris being black and a female. It was the fact that she didn't have a message that people, that resonated with the people, that would cause them to want to send her money. And that's the big difference. So uh, the reason why people are donating to Bernie Sanders' campaign is because what he says resonates with enough people where they're going to support the guy. The reason why people donate to Elizabeth Warren's campaign is because of the same thing, because she's saying things that they want to hear. The reason why people are donating to uh, Joe Biden's campaign, same thing. But if they were not donating to Julian Castro's campaign, or if they were not donating to any of these people's campaign that were on that debate stage, there's a reason why. And it's not because of their race, it's not because of their sex, it's not because of their religion. 
It's because what they were saying would not resonate with the voters that are the Democrats. So when they bring up this whole identity politics thing, that's just, to me, that's, that just amazes me to do that. But the funny thing is, is that the Republicans were bringing that up too. Like, you heard it on Fox News, like they were saying, you know, de- Democrats are supposed to be so diverse and everything, and they have, you know, they, they say that they care about diversity, but the Republicans are more diverse than them on their debate stage and all that. And it's like, because they had a couple of Cuban-Americans up there, they had, you know, white guys and all that, but, and they even had an African-American gentleman that made it to like the, you know, into the top seven or eight. But the thing is, is that Republicans are using that, and they're the ones that claim that identity politics is wrong, yet they're willing to use it against their enemy in that sense. And I think that's kind of hypocritical as well. So yeah, that was the whole thing that happened yesterday that you have the debate on Tuesday night and then nobody talks about it at all. And the thing is, is that these candidates, they're not saying anything new anyway. And that's the biggest thing. They're not saying anything new. Um, So nobody wants to listen to it. Nobody's going to hear it. And there's much better topics to talk about, like the impeachment, like anything, like Monday Night Football. (laughs) Like, anything is better to talk about than what they talked about on that stage as well. Because all of them, this is their goal. This is a promise more and more about handing out more and more of your stuff. Babylon B, that's what that um, satire website had one up, had a, had a uh, posting up, I guess. There was an article, and I don't remember exactly what the headline said, but it had said something like, um, known criminals meet in public to discuss how they're going to take more money or steal more money from the people or something like that or steal more money from Americans and it was a showing of all the people that were on the debate stage and I thought that was hilarious because as a libertarian you do think of about taxation as theft and those people have no claim to your money whatsoever that on that debate stage but they think that the government does and the government in that sense is just the strong man coming and taking your money against your will which is theft so you know how how, uh, libertarians often say taxation is theft and that's what they meant so uh that was interesting but that that was the news pretty much of the day yesterday um we're going into the impeachment trial now so the next step is the the house took it to the senate last night and then now the senate has to take it up and there's been some new revelations i guess where um somebody over in ukraine supposedly has some you know, some documentation that shows that they offered up some dirt on Biden in order to oust, in order to get Donald Trump to fire the Ukrainian ambassador, which is that lady that was uh, out there. And so there's supposedly some new revelations on that. Not sure that that is impeachable as well. I've heard different sides of the argument, but she does serve at Donald Trump's will. So she can be fired or let go at any time that, that he wants to by law. So there's no breaking of the law there. But um, did he do it because of that? And if that, you know, obviously that's morally wrong, I think. And I, I've been on, and I've been kind of like in the middle on this whole impeachment thing where I think there's probably a smoking gun somewhere. I just don't necessarily see it yet. And I think that the way that they did it in the House was very biased against Donald Trump and they really did not let anybody speak that was going to be in favor of Donald Trump they didn't have like a true trial per se so I thought that was pretty interesting it was very partisan what happened and it was the Democrats that were 
clearly just going after Donald Trump and trying to attack him. But you're going to see the same thing on the Republican side as well when it goes to the when it goes to the Senate, and that'll be interesting to see if that sways people's opinions back towards the Democrats because the way that the Democrats went about it in the House swayed people's opinions towards the Republicans and towards Donald Trump in favor of Donald Trump even where in his his uh, approval ratings even went up during that time. So I wonder if the Senate clearly makes it a partisan issue as well and you know makes it so that you can clearly think to yourself, man, these guys are just, you know, doing what Republicans think they should do. Then you'll probably see the public's mind sway in in a direction towards the Democrats as well, but um who knows exactly what's going to happen, but that's pretty much what happened on Thursday. Uh, or on when on Tuesday and Wednesday of this week, um, the debate, man, it was just absolutely, um, absolutely pathetic and boring. I watched 15 minutes of it, and that's it. But I've read a lot of different articles on it over the last, uh, you know, afterwards as well as um, yesterday, as well. I just I read a lot of articles on it just to see what people were saying, and there was no clear winner. They were saying people just did a decent job, uh, but that's not going to help him out. He's kind of I don't know. I, I, I've, I've always said that he's kind of like the person that might just win. And he might actually win Iowa. He's doing, he's pulling in second and third place in Iowa right now. Uh, so he might end up winning Iowa or doing really good in Iowa. And he might do really good in New Hampshire. So we'll see what happens with this, you know. Um, but he might have helped himself out a little bit just by looking respectable in the debate yesterday. That's what they're saying. But um, Joe Biden didn't hurt himself, so he's probably not going to lose any any uh, supporters because of that. Um, But I'm going to go ahead and get off the debate subject now. I don't want to make this an entire debate show. I would have done a debate show if I really want to talk about the debates, but I don't want to talk about the debates. Um, Kim Ruff dropped out of the 2020 election for the Libertarian ticket. I don't know if you know who she was, but you can listen to my episode on her. She's a pretty pretty decent libertarian like when you look at her points of view she seemed like she was if i remember correctly she she seemed like she was more like a voluntarist libertarian or voluntarist libertarian i guess some people say it like that um so she's not like a you know a i don't know if you'd call it like a nationalist libertarian or somebody that like is like a minimal libertarian like a Gary Johnson type person like definitely not that she was definitely in the right place on the uh libertarian standpoint from a, you know, limited government standpoint, you know, get to the point where we can have that argument about how far we really want to limit government. Uh, but today, I think she had a pragmatic point to get to that, to get to that point though, like a pragmatic way to get to that point where she wasn't going to come in and just abolish the government right off the bat, like one of the other candidates was saying, but uh, she seemed pretty good. But in her statement, I think she said there was a lot of people that were really good. And I think maybe she got out because there is this push towards Jacob Hornberger in like the Mises Caucus group, and she was supported by a lot of people in that Mises Caucus. So we'll see what happens. Um, I've just heard a lot of people saying that this like Lincoln Chafee guy is kind of like the shoe in right now. Um, we'll see what happens with that. I'm, I did a show on him the other day. I'm not super impressed with him by any means. He's not. I mean, he's he's a independent. He's more of a Republican slash Democrat type, you know, he's he's a big government kind of guy, but he does believe in limited government, he does believe in limiting some aspects of government, and he especially agrees with limiting 
foreign intervention and the wars overseas and stuff, even more so, I think, than Tulsi Gabbard, from what I see. So that's something that I would vote for him on specifically, because I do believe that people, you know, that are anti-war should have that, have a huge platform, especially if people like Donald Trump are going to be up there proclaiming that we shouldn't be invading Iran or invading or saying that we should keep the status quo overseas right now or that we should be going after Syrian oil or that we should stay in Iraq even though they don't want us there like I do think that we need a good consistent um anti-war voice which he has been but most of the, any of the libertarians will be so that'll be so I won't take that into account when I'm making you know if I was going to be making a decision on who I would vote for at the Libertarian Convention, I would vote for the most Libertarian person I agree with that has the best shot of winning, but I wouldn't vote for Lincoln Chafee based on, very, you know, on the very fact that he's a anti-war guy, because everyone on that stage will be pretty much anti-war as well. Um, but I'm not going to be voting, so I mean, I, I'm not going to be at the National Convention, I'm not going to be a delegate, I'm not going to be someone that can vote, so... I won't really throw my support behind somebody because I can't. You know, I'm not going to be one of the thousand delegates that are up there. But if you are going to be one of those thousand delegates, then make a wise decision on that, you know? Um, somebody like Lincoln Chafee, he would get a lot of publicity because he was a governor of Rhode Island, but he would get a lot of publicity same way that Gary Johnson got a lot of publicity, but Gary Johnson got destroyed on the stage because he wasn't he didn't understand foreign policy. He didn't understand a lot of the things that are going on in the real world at the time. He might have been too busy being a part of his marijuana group or, or his marijuana company or something like that. I don't know. I mean, he was clearly just somebody that doesn't understand. He understands libertarianism in some way from the fiscally conservative, socially liberal standpoint you might say, because I was that type of libertarian for like 10 years when I first became a libertarian in, two, or in 1999. It wasn't until like 2009, 2010, maybe even a little bit past that, is when I really started looking into the Ron Paul movement and started looking into Ron Paul himself and seeing Austrian economics and moving in that direction to where I am today. But I don't think that Gary Johnson ever got past that initial libertarian you know, statement of oh yeah, libertarians were fiscally conservative and socially liberal. Liberal. I think that Lincoln Chafee is that kind of Democrat, or excuse me, is that type of libertarian as well, but he's a little bit more staunch on the anti-war message, which I do like that. Um, so we'll see. I mean, he would get on, he would get a lot of news coverage and stuff, and that could be good as long as he's a good spokesman for the movement. But someone like Jacob Hornberger, he's a media presence as well. He might not get as much news media attention as a Lincoln Chafee would, um, but he would be a strong messenger, or he would be a strong, yeah, carrier of that message, I guess you'd say. So that'll be interesting to see what happens, but um, I don't have any more news for you guys, I apologize. Uh, I've been looking and looking and looking, I don't want to talk too much about, you know, the wars that are going on or anything like that, because, you know, there's really, obviously there's always new stuff there, but you can find that information like on antiwar.com, you don't need to come here for that. But that's kind of what's going on with the election right now. Um, a snooze fest over at the at the Democratic National, or at the, the, the Democratic debate, um, Donald Trump is in the midst of being uh, impeached. I thought it was really funny that he went and signed the phase one of the China deal right before the impeachment 
proceedings happened and they sent the impeachment over to the Senate. He basically stole a lot of their thunder, um, took the news media off of them and put it on himself for a little while, making himself look presidential, making himself look like he's the person that is rising above the fray and still doing his job. And I think that was obviously intentional so that his supporters would say, look, the Democrats are over there just wasting time while Donald Trump is getting things done. And that's what he needs to, that's the way that he's trying to present himself. And I thought that was really smart. But hey guys, I appreciate you joining me. Uh, Follow me if you'd like to. You can do that. I'm theempire.com. I think the easiest place to do it probably though is uh, on Facebook, which is I am the empire as well. So if you want to follow the show, you can do that there. Uh, you can message, message me there as well if you'd like to, or you can email me, ray at imtheempire.com. The most important thing I always ask is for a five-star rating and review. If you could do that for me, that would be great. That helps with the algorithms also. But uh, keep on coming back, though, so you can have clear vision for 2020.